Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, welcome to Android Faithful, your weekly source for the latest news, hardware, and apps in the wide, rebranded world of Android. I'm Wynne Whitdow. And I'm Ron Richards. And I'm Michelle Ramon. And we are not rebranded. We are still Android Faithful. <laughs> we are still Android Faithful. And we are super, super lucky to have a fabulous guest with us today, a friend of the show and someone I've known for many, many years, Anise Davis, Vice President of Engineering at Meetup. Hey, Anise. Hey, thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you on. So you were a guest on All About Android, um, yep. I think a couple of times, a few times at least, right? And uh, <laughs> when we were doing our, 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 our brainstorming for guests for the, for the new show, you were like, oh, we got to get Anise back. And so we're so happy that you could join us. So, ooh, ooh, Android dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> proudly so. I'm very proud. Very proudly so. We're all Speaking proudly. of that, right? Oh, oh yeah. I I had oh. a, I, so I guess I I don't even know what iOS or sorry what not what iOS. Oh shoot, what I O <laughs> this is. See, my brain is just it's what yeah. day is it? It's Tuesday. So, uh, yeah. This is uh, pre-COVID, right? Oh, yes. for sure. I should have looked this In up. In an era that, long past. Yeah. So that's that's uh, our our friend Sam Edwards, Handstand Sam. If you happen to follow him, he's also an Android dev. Uh, my husband and Anise and myself. Uh, let me see. Hold on. That's 2019. Oh, so that's right before. Really? That's right before the Rona. Yeah. Wow. So we're, for our audio listeners, we're looking at a photo of when Anise at a previous IO back in the day um, when we were, yeah. we were younger and and more naive. Younger, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and hu- and hugged more and did all that kind of stuff more, and we're not 
too nervous about sitting very, very tightly amongst other developers at large events. So, right. um, so and before so. we get started, though, Anise, you know, assuming, you know, not assuming that everyone watching saw your episodes previously on our old show, you know, can you give a quick, yeah. you know, kind of quick, you know, who you are, what you do and and, and why you love yeah. Android, right? <laughs> okay. So uh, vice president of engineering at Meetup. I do everything, um, but primarily I'm responsible for making sure like our platforms, APIs, native applications are good to go. Uh, why do I love Android? <sighs> There's so many reasons, um, but I just remember getting my first Android phone and knowing that I could program it was just like blew my mind. Like I can program this thing and show people. And I'm like, I did this on my phone. Um, and then I was just addicted to Android ever since then. Cool. And we've got a fan of Meetup in the chat watching live. Wild West Dan says his wife is at a book club meetup right now. <laughs> he loves Meetup. So, uh, <laughs> yay. Um, I love Meetup too. <laughs> and, and then the, the other question, which I feel like, Wynn and Michelle, we've been lax on asking our guests, but uh, what what is your daily driver? What is your phone these days? Oh, sure. Yeah. So the last time I was on All About Android, I was on the old school Pixel 3. But since I've upgraded to the Pixel 7, so, you know, I'm I'm doing things, making a little bit of moves. Ooh. Got a Pixel Watch now. Upgraded. Nice. You know? Upgraded. <laughs> Very cool. So we actually have someone on Team Pixel. This week. <laughs> yes. Very cool. Love All it. All right. Well, we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Um, but before we get started with the show, I just want to give a quick call. I want to thank everybody uh, who heads over to patreon.com slash androidfaithful um, to support us and uh, becomes a supporting patron. Uh, and I want to let everyone know that if you you are at the $10 a month or higher tier, you get access to the ad-free show, which is now finally, thank you for your patience, connected to Spotify. Um, so now you can link your Patreon account to Spotify if that is your podcatcher of choice and listen to the ad-free version of the podcast there. So uh, thank you to everybody. Sorry about the lag. Took a second to get it all set up behind the scenes, but there we are. So working out the kinks. This is a new show, right? So, <laughs> All right. So uh, should we just dive right into it? What do you say? Let's do it. All right, cool. Well, I've got our first story, uh, which we were talking about before the show started. We got a little bit of a political bent this week, uh, as there's a lot of geopolitics happening in the world of Android. Um, but first up is the fact that uh, Google's uh, antitrust uh, case in the EU is uh, going to be uh, – not in the EU. I'm sorry. Uh, in the US, of course. <laughs> Jeez. There's a I'm, lot of them. I'm so used to, to the EU. I'm so used to the EU. But uh, the antitrust case is uh, going to be getting underway soon, and the you know, basically, there's a lot, a, a lot at stake for Google in terms of how it distributes its search engine to its users. That's the main um, kind of thing at, uh, at uh, you know, to be debated or be discussed here in this uh, in this case. Uh, it reminds me a lot of uh, the EU's case against Microsoft in their proliferation of in, uh, Internet Explorer, of how you know they made that their default browser, and the action of Google making Google Search the default for. In things like Android, right? I mean, Michelle, we were talking about the 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 ramifications of this towards OEMs and other products is potentially huge, right? What what, what is your take on that, Michelle? I mean, yeah, a lot. Some people are calling this the biggest antitrust case since the one you alluded to, where uh, you know Microsoft was sued over bundling Internet Explorer with Windows, right? So this one has huge ramifications for what could happen on mobile devices. So right now, Google pays literally multiple billion dollars a year to Apple just to have that default Google search experience on iOS devices. 
because, you know, they're kind of afraid that what happens if we're no longer the default and they push some other search engine as a default? What would happen to our market share in the search, you know, the search ecosystem? So that's why like, a lot of, all these billions of dollars are being spent and the lawyers for the government, the U.S. government, are arguing that this is anti-competitive. This is violating our antitrust laws. Um, Google, of course, is saying it doesn't because, you know, other competitors just aren't investing enough in their own search engines. They're just not as good as Google is, you know. And they kind of – they do have a somewhat of a point like in the U, in the EU for example it's already been a couple of years where they implemented the choice screen where you pick your search engine as you start up your android device or you start up your chrome browser you get to pick what search engine is a default and the vast majority of users still pick google as a default yeah. and i think google mentioned this even during the trial like this, it actually went underway earlier today they said that you know if you look at windows vast majority of people even though that uh, Microsoft sets Bing as a default for everything, people still go use Google Search. I'm pretty sure that that describes me. That describes, I'm sure, most people listening to this show right well, now. Yeah, well, right? let's, you, let's, you let's, how many people use? Let's Bing? go around the room. Like, like who <laughs> who has Google as their default search engine on their devices? Me, right? All of us, right? So, all of us. I feel if, yeah. if Gina, I remember Gina Trapani was the one who turned me on to DuckDuckGo, and I'm pretty sure that you know, like, there are other ones out there aside from Bing, which is a joke, Michelle, right? But, um, but, yeah. uh, but DuckDuckGo and other search engines are out there, but I don't know. I mean, Anissa, I'd love to hear what you think of it. Like, is I mean, this is challenging the definition of antitrust versus they just built a better product, right? Yeah, I. What I find interesting about this particular situation is that people literally say, well, just Google it. They don't say, just search it on your preferred (laughs) browser with your preferred engine. It's like now part of everyday vocabulary. And so I wonder if Google, like, what would happen if they didn't pay those billions? Would they still, like, how much of the market share would they really lose? So that's like the one side of it. But then on the other side, there are people who have no clue what a search engine is. They just type in a box. Yep. So to them, it doesn't matter what it is. They're just like, my computer is where I find things. And this is the thing I click and type words. So it's like, if they didn't make it the default, they probably would lose all those people who don't know any difference. So I'm actually really curious to see how this is going to turn out. And I think it will affect different generations differently. For sure. And, and I, it, it, it's almost akin to the, you know, the, what was the telephony and the telephone companies, you know, they broke up big bell Mm -hmm. into regional bell systems. And then now like what we have with cable systems, you know, or internet connection systems where like this, you know, there's an illusion of choice in some regions, right. Where you like, you know, if you're lucky enough to live in a city where you can choose between spectrum or Fios or, you know, whatever it might be, but there's also parts of the country where there's one way to get on the internet, right. Unless you find some local DSL or, or fiber, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of option. And it's Mm -hmm. the same same kind of thing where, you know, is Google going to be able to skate by around that by saying, hey, we're a utility. This is an extension of what we kind of do it. But like in the EU, we'll give people the choice and let them choose and see where it goes, that that's enough to appease the government or not. Um, I don't know. When, what, do you, what do you think? Where do you think this is going to wrap up at? No, I, I, I honestly don't know. And I, I think I kind of feel what sort of what Anise was alluding to and that, you know, it's it's one thing. To, I mean, it, it feels like, you know, um, Google is like for many, many, many of us, regardless of whether we're tech people or even enthusiasts or not, search, web search. And so while 
I, I think it's always a good thing for, you know, organizations, countries, governments to stand up to big companies and, uh, and hold them accountable for certain things. There is kind of a question in my mind about certainly if they break up Google or if they make Google not, not prevent Google from, you know, or, or at least kind of throw some regulations that make them less the default that it will affect them. But at the same time, it's like, what, what will actually be, what will actually come out of the wash? Yep. Um, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, what, like what, whatever punitive or whatever corrective behavior we expect from this antitrust, you know, like lawsuit, I don't know when we're going to see the actual impact of it as end users, and what will that actual impact be? Whether it's like, oh, I kind of had to like, you know, do this little extra annoying step when I set up my new phone versus. I had to choose, right? Yeah. Well, I had to choose yeah. versus yeah. most people probably wouldn't even think about it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I think it's a good thing that this is happening, but I think especially lately, I don't think like there's, the, I think, I think with the success or the effectiveness of antitrust cases, kind of like I'm here, like here or there a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we've talked we, like in the old show, we talked a lot about like different versions, like different flavors of this case in different countries yep. um, with like Google mobile services, like, you know, needing to add that. I mean, it, I don't know. They're still here, but Mary, uh, U.S. is a huge market. We'll just see, but mm, I'm kind of, Neutral to negative or neutral to skeptical? Okay. I'll give it a range. <laughs> Michelle, yeah. you were going to say. So, by the way, by the way, this uh, the government's case against Google is not only about the search sure. engine, you know, default experience. Mm-hmm. It's also about, and the reason why I propose this to be covered on Android Faithful is because the government is also arguing that Google's agreements with Android device makers is anti-competitive. So, those of you who are familiar with Google. Um, most Android devices, they bundle Google apps, including the Play Store, Chrome, the Google app for search, mm-hmm. and all these other apps. The government is arguing that this is anti-competitive, that Google shouldn't be allowed to bundle um, all these apps in exchange to have access to the Play Store. So that's something we've already seen in other countries around the world. Like We've seen yeah. this happen in India, in the EU, but now it's happening in the U.S. And you know, if this happens everywhere, that's, that's, that could spell big trouble for Google's uh Google Mobile Services licensing agreement, yep. like all their all the things they built up, huge ramifications. Um, j- before we move on, though, because there's even more huge ramifications. Um, another story uh, to make all of us collectively feel old. Uh, watching live uh, in the chat, uh, Jesse shared that to be almost the same age as Google, I feel like they've grown up alongside me. I use it by choice, not by force. So one, God bless you, Jesse, because I remember when Google launched and how exciting me it too. was. Yep. <laughs> as I as I pulled up my Netscape browser and went to Google.com. <laughs> For the first time, um, oh, and they had like the number, like like as many O's, yeah, yeah. like a, like yeah. oh, wasn't that those were the days yeah. before all this business and antitrust and like global corporations and data privacy issues? Exactly. Oh, so so we'll watch we'll watch this case closely, obviously, because it could have yeah. huge ramifications. But it went to your point, like and 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 east to your point, who knows when it'll hit us as end users because it takes time and that sort of thing. I'm sure there'll be appeals right. and all that stuff, but it's a big deal. So yeah. we'll stick close to it. Um, but so now Michelle is in the geopolitical stage. I'll throw it to you. All right. So you remember Huawei? Remember when they were relevant outside of China? I mean, that was a couple of years ago, like back in 2019, when all of a sudden their plans to launch smartphones in the U.S. were just shattered because, um, you know, the U.S. government imposed really heavy sanctions on them, basically preventing them from having access to Google apps, preventing a lot of American companies from even working with them at all. And most importantly, it prevented them from getting access to the latest chip technologies, um, the latest chip manufacturing technologies that they basically required to be competitive with 
Apple, with Samsung, with TSMC, etc. But now, all of a sudden, just like last week, they released a new phone called the Mate 60 Pro, you know, their long-standing, the Mate series. This phone came out of nowhere. It was just launched online. There wasn't any formal launch event, no big press extravaganza or anything. They launched this thing, and all of a sudden, users started noticing, hey, this thing is getting speeds that are on par with other 5G-enabled devices like the iPhone, like my Samsung phone. But when they're running these tests, it doesn't say 5G in the status bar. It's just having 5G speeds. And the reason that was so significant was because Huawei for years has been banned from basically having access to any modem technology capable of 5G speeds. So like for the last couple of years, they've been releasing phones with just 4G modems. So all of a sudden, they released this phone out of nowhere that's capable of 5G speeds, and users are questioning, how in the world did they do this with all these restrictions that were imposed on them? So it's basically kind of launched this really interesting geopolitical conversation about did Huawei violate sanctions? Did some companies violate sanctions to provide them technology? And like, what does it mean for the future of chip making in China if they're able to accomplish this? Based on what Bloomberg has discovered by actually buying a device and tearing it down, they're the Kirin 9000S chipset that's in the Mate 60 Pro is being manufactured by SM- SMIC, which is a Shanghai-based um, chip fabrication firm on a seven nanometer process. So that's a few years behind the current cutting edge. Uh, earlier today, Apple announced their A17 Pro in their iPhone 15 so, series, and that's manufactured on a three nanometer process. And I, I did promise you that I, I, I was going to say, like, let, let's look. I did, let, I did say let's that. Let's look at the time code of the show to how quickly Michelle brought up Apple this week. <laughs> I, I did. I did say I would bring it up. So yeah. So Apple's at three nanometers, which is. The cutting edge, the absolute cutting edge yeah. technology right now. That's yeah. manufactured, that's fabricated by TSMC, yep. or the Taiwan Semiconductor Firm. <laughs> but uh, Huawei is not allowed to work with TSMC because of the heavy U.S. restrictions yep. put on them by the U.S. government. So the fact that Huawei was able to manufacture, they were able to get this chip manufactured on a 7 nanometer process is leaving a lot of analysts stunned because they weren't expecting Huawei to achieve this for years to come. This is like years further than anyone expected them to achieve. Mm. So, like, the fact they were able to get this hardware out, um, that's somewhat competitive. Like, the the chipset CPU and the GPU is pretty much a little bit in between the Snapdragon 888 and the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. So they're not that far behind in terms of, like, performance. But the fact that they have a 5G-capable device on a 7 nanometer chip with somewhat comparable performance has a lot of people thinking maybe China is going to be a major player in the chip making industry um, very soon. Yeah. But we don't know. One thing we don't know is how, if they're able to manufacture this at scale yet, like they only sold, we don't know how many, well, made 60 pros it's sold out online, but you don't know if they only had like a thousand for sale. Right. Uh, So that remains to be seen. Still a lot of questions and a lot of intrigue. Behind mm. Steam. So this is the beginning of a, of a, of a technology, I got the Christie mystery, huh? I know, yeah. right? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Where's Sherlock when you need him? Exactly. The, the, the technology <laughs> Sherlock, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see where, what comes of that. We'll keep an eye on that story as well. That'll be developing. Because um, I know when those sanctions happened, we we're like, oh, geez, what is this going to do to yeah. their business? And, and, and you know, and, and we, all, we often talk about, oh, this phone's only available in China. This one's only available, you know, Far East and, and uh, you know, unlocking, uh, unlocking the U.S. market. Um, it's got to be a priority for some of those because that's where a lot of the business is. So um, it should be interesting. So, all right. So remember last week when Android 14 didn't launch? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote in my notes around, well, <laughs> so Generalissimo Franco, Francisco Franco is still dead, and Android 14 is still in beta. Exactly. Um, I, that's, that's how old we are. I'm, I'm using that I, joke, but I love that joke. So anyway. And these, were you, were you uh, prepared for Android 14 last week? Were you all ready for it? Or? I mean, I was trying to get my team prepared. I'm like, look, this thing is coming. <laughs> how, have you tested the app against it yet? Hey, <laughs> we got a few more, we got a little bit longer because guess what? Android 14 beta 5.3 went out. I actually got this on my phone before I read the article. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, great. Um, and it is chock full of fixes. Um, a lot of them are very specific to the Pixel Fold and Pixel Tablet, which honestly, I think kind of just generates some developer empathy for me. Uh, it's so funny. We've they've been talking for years about how Google has tried to get us to like, you know, uh, accommodate and be optimized for large screens. But apparently, you know, it's real hard because even Google with their tablet and their fold are having to continue to roll out a lot of very specific fixes, but there are some things that are kind of interesting, performance stability fixes, um, issues that could cause call or carrier service interruptions, um, uh, jargon, jargon, jargon. Um, this is an interesting piece of jargon. Fixed issues with Surface Flinger that was causing a loss in system performance. For just Surface Flinger is basically a system component, an Android component that determines what gets drawn on the screen. And I was like, what did y'all do to Surface Flinger? Like that thing's been around forever. So, um, and then just various certain things and i mean this is all jargon but it's pretty important so it just seems to be the parade that just doesn't end here with a beta five point something 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 well, just fixing a whole bunch of so stuff. yeah when mm-hmm. just like just a quick bit the, the one that you brought up the surface finger bug yeah i from what i know that's mm-hmm. actually way more significant of a bug than the change log makes it out to be oh and i i don't doubt my, it i don't doubt it that's i from what i hear may have been the reason behind why android 14 didn't launch Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Surface Flinger is a, is, is an incredibly low level component. It literally is yeah. like, Hey, what is going to be on the screen? Um, in a very, very low level way. So I, I, I put that out there because I know Surface Flinger is not going to really resonate with people, but it's kind of a little shocking that, 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 that's to see this term in the release notes for sure, Michelle. Like, huh. That's a, that's a biggie. It's almost like I, I'm trying to think of like an analogy. Like it would be like, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, I can't think of a good analogy right now with a car. Like your spark, like I don't know, spark plugs just all of a sudden stop working in your cars or something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like what? Like I thought we had this dealt with the, the radiator. The radiator stopped. The radiator, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, radiator yeah. just stopped. Like yeah. making well, the transmission just stopped working, right? Because you got to make calls, right? The thing is, the thing just makes calls. I don't know. I, I just think I just think it's fascinating. I don't think we've seen a version of Android in many years, if not ever. And when and Anise, keep me honest here. That like was on the exit ramp and then had problems this close to the launch. I mean, like it's far, it's you know, like I, I, I mean, have any of the betas gone this deep into point releases? Like, I feel like this is like the second time now where they had to scramble to get a fix out late in the game. Yeah, and um, Android Police in their write up on this kind of harkened back to back in February when they released that timeline and the platform stability releases were scheduled for June, July. Yeah. What month is it now? So yeah, I I don't remember the last time. It just really feels like the last couple of years has been like, oh hey, surprise, here's your release, yeah. like kind of <laughs> earlier, kind of unexpected, and now it's just like, yeah, still not here. Yeah. So I I don't I yeah, it's interesting to me. I don't know, Michelle, maybe you have more like specific insights about. Well, to be fair, Android 12 was also quite late. Android 12, it launched mm. to AOSP on, I believe, October 4th, right. and then on Pixels on October 19th of twenty. But that was coordinated with the with the hardware launch. That was coordinated with the hardware launch, I felt like. I felt like that was like, they bundled that, where it was like it was a big double rollout, right, if memory serves? 
they with rolled the out of the, the update on the same day yeah. with the launch yeah. of the of Pixel Six. Right. But uh, the Twelve-ol. source code release was still was still out, yeah. like uh, rolled out a couple of weeks before. Twelve yeah. L came a few weeks after. Yeah. The Pixel yep. 6. I missed 12. Um, so, Anise, you said you were checking with your team to see if they're ready. Like, is this repre? Like, yeah. what does it take at a major, like, you're at a major, major company with huge, with tons of users, you know, and like when the Android version comes out, like, how far ahead do you guys start working to make sure you're, you're up to speed? I mean, this is sad, but it's like as soon as the iOS people start talking about the new version, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's going to be a new Android version, too. What do we need to do for that? It's, like, it's a good bellwether. Like, you know, like, <laughs> let's make sure we're getting prepared. Yeah. At least have someone just put the app on that and just, like, mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's the very first thing. Just, like, run it and see if anything breaks. Yeah. Like, that's the... <laughs> That's the default. And then from there, I'm like, okay, now we can be more strategic. Now you can turn on each thing one by one. Go to the compatibility screen. You know, there's a process. There's a known process for dealing with these upgrades. But definitely the default is always like just install it and see what what happens. Right. And see what broke. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I can't imagine. It seems very stressful <laughs> to me. I don't know. Um, all right. Well, well, we'll cross our fingers for October. It'll see if it'll be ready for launch or if we get 5.4 uh, soon. So, um, <laughs> Actually, I do, I do have one question for you, Anise. It's kind of yes. relevant to this whole discussion. Okay. Do you feel, um, you know, when you, when you guys are working on updating your app to be of, compatible with new Android versions, do you feel pressure from Google? Like, in, because every year they're updating their yes. target API requirements, right? Yep. And, like, just... A couple of weeks ago, on August 31st, they required that every app has to target Android 13 or later. Yep, yep. Do you feel pressure, like, to do this? Like, is this causing a lot of pressure with you You do feel pressure because, like, all of the engineers who have access to the Play Console, like, they're also getting alerts. Uh So, like... You know, I have so many other things I'm juggling, but then it'll be like three different engineers are like, we're getting an alert from Google. <laughs> you know, we have to upgrade the target SDK. I'm like, okay, upgrade it. Like, you know, do it. What What's going to happen? It's like, oh, by the way, now that with the notification permission, we're not telling anyone special reason why they should give us the permission. I'm like, all right, we'll get to it. You know, there's like always so many things happening. But I feel I feel like the engineers feel more pressure than probably like I would because I'm like, okay, that's just it's something that needs to be done. It's just another ticket, right? It's 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 just another thing. Yeah, it's just another thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's gonna happen again next year. It's there's no need to panic. Like I, I appreciate. I, by the way, I appreciate that attitude. And he's not all managers or you know directors are as chill about it as Anise. Uh, some people get super excited. Also, the play console notifications can be scary, uh, yeah. especially if you're not used to them. A lot of red flags, a lot of warning signs, yeah. a lot of like things that you don't quite understand. What is wrong? Why? Why are you like yelling at me right now? So, um, I just give Anise props because that's. That's a that's the best attitude, especially with the way things are with Android and the way the, all the kind of plates you have to keep spinning in the air. That's like kind of the right way to do it. Just be chill and uh, yeah, just figure figure shit yeah. out. I mean, most things are reversible, right? I mean, is it that's that's always the thing I'm asking people. Like, okay, do the thing that gives you the most options. Right. Yeah, like that's almost like the default for life, really. Just do the thing that gives you the most options. Don't like block yourself into a corner. Yep. So. 
Yeah. This is my philosophy. The stress, I can't. Oh, I, I'm glad I got out of product management. It's just like, yeah, oh, oh yeah. Anyway, so, all right, cool. Well, uh, lots going on in the world, but we got one more news story because every week our loyal patrons on Patreon.com/slash Android Faithful uh, get to vote and pick a story for us to talk about here on the show. Um, and this week we had a good mix of interesting stories. Um, the winner, though was the fact that Google killed the Play and Movies app on Android TV, and we'll get into that in a second. But the losers uh, were Samsung's uh, recent filing showing uh, faith in the foldable market uh, and the fact that the Pixel Watch 2 was going to require a newer Android version. They're not really losers, but the most amount of interest was uh, in and around that Google story. And yeah, this actually happened... Last week, I feel like right after we did, yeah, right after we did the show last week, or it might have been in the day we recorded the show. I forget. Time has no meaning anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, uh, Google killed the Play Movies and TV app um, on Android TV, um, which you know had a lot of people scratching their head. To be honest, I didn't think this was all that interesting because I didn't think it was surprising because it felt like this was the direction things were going in with Google TV and as they were making search the Google TV search more of a portal to other services and things like that. I, I, I wasn't surprised by this, but were you guys surprised by it or, you know, what, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Here? A little yeah. since I, I, I let myself start buying stuff on Google Play Movies <laughs> and TV like two, three years ago. And it actually is my preferred place to buy things. I don't know why. I don't have a good reason, y'all. I just picked one. Um, <laughs> I just picked one. I picked, I chose poorly. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, you're right, Ron. It's, it's like, it's, it's kind of like that thing with Google, right? Where you, you, you kind of think they have a thing and then they start kind of diversifying like all the different products. And uh, what is it? The phrase you always say, left hand doesn't know what right hand I, is doing. I literally was just talking about that in a meeting at work about Google uh, and, and, and how there are multiple left hands, not knowing what the multiple right hands are doing. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so I, I guess one, I mean, we, and we've had so many like stories and, 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 and like feedback from over the years of, of this kind of thing happened to other, other spots, like smart, con- smart connected things, other products. I, I'm not surprised, but I'm sad. Why did I pick Google Play? Um, but no, it makes sense. Like at some point, they need to kind of bring everything back together and, and so or what's the opposite of diversify? Uh, centralize, yep. uh, consolidate. There you go, consolidate. Yep. So. Exactly. So we'll see. Um, Anise, do you use Google? Do you use Android TV at all? Any any sort of form? Um, I don't. Yeah. So, um, but I also like actively avoid it, not buying it. Like, I don't want to buy anything from, like, Google Books or, like, only apps. That's it. Because I had a sneaky suspicion this could happen. Like, I'm I'm not super surprised because I feel like, unfortunately, Apple really got in there early with Apple TV and everyone buying things there that I'm like, no one's going to buy Okay, no one except when is gonna buy <laughs> guilty. <Yep. laughs> Too funny. Too funny. Oh well. So pour one out for I don't have a soundboard or sound effects, but if I did, I would play the funeral music. I, I gotta load that in. I actually oh, do have a soundboard. I just need to load in the sound effects. But um we would play the the taps, the 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 so pour one out for Google Play uh TV and movies on Android TV. The app still exists though in other places, it's just on Android TV. So um too funny. All right, cool. All right, well, that's going to r- wrap up the news. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And let's dive right into hardware. Um, because as we all know, uh, what is the date? Michelle, keep me on. What is the, what is the pixel launch date again? It's, it's October 4th, October 4th. 4th. Yes, correct. Um, right. Cause I have, I can't go. Um, anyway, yeah, sadly the, the dang pixel launch event is happening in New York, in my backyard, on the one day I cannot attend. So uh, I was very frustrated about that. But um, we're starting to see more and more kind of stuff, both from leaks or sometimes Google just says, hey, we're going to show you what we're going to show. <laughs> and this time around, they showed off the full Pixel Watch 2 design via a sneak peek video. Um, and so, you know, those of you uh, kind of keeping track, Pixel Watch was announced last year. Um, I tried it and returned it. Um, so I'm very curious about the Pixel Watch 2 and how that will exist. But Google uh, got ahead of the of the speculation and just uh, gave us a sneak peek of what to expect. Um, and honestly, it looked very, very similar. I don't know. What did, what did, what did you all think of the Pixel Watch 2? I can't tell um, <laughs> Yeah. Visually, you can't really tell the difference. There were two interesting tidbits you could see from the back of the device. It had an etching that said IP68. So mm-hmm. uh, that indicates it's going to have an IP68 water and dust resistance rating. The previous generation Pixel Watch only had didn't have an IP rating, formal IP rating at all. It just said five atmospheres of water resistance. So that's one upgrade. The other upgrade is that it says on the back EDA, which we're assuming stands for electrodermal mm-hmm. activity sensor, mm-hmm. which is what the Fitbit um, devices use to basically measure your stress levels. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an increasingly, you know, uh, increasingly available feature on all sorts of like fitness trackers. Like I use Whoop. Whoop now is loving to tell me how stressed that I am. <laughs> uh, I think the Galaxy Watch 6 Classic, which I still haven't used very widely, 
because I do kettlebells and you cannot swing kettlebells in the back of your wrist while wearing a watch. I had to figure that out. Also, you know, wanted to tell me how stressed out I am. So it makes a lot of sense for the, for uh, the pixel to also kind of fall in line with that yeah. just to meet the standard. So Denise, you said you got a pixel watch, right? The one, yeah, yeah, I have a pixel watch. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, do you like it? No, I like it. Yeah. I like it. I, um, what I'll say is I looked at it closely and like, I tried to look at the pictures of the pixel two and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it looks exactly the same. <laughs> and that do I want it? Yeah, I don't really want you to tell me when I'm stressed out. So I'm like, yeah, I might just stick with this one. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whether whether you feel the the the, the stress to upgrade or not, I my big and I've the, the, everyone watching and listening to the show is tired of me talking about it. But my big complaint about the Pixel Watch when I got it at launch last year was the lack of a quality podcast app because I wanted to take it to go running. I didn't want to bring my phone to go running anymore, uh-huh. and the entire experience was just painful. Um, now that Pocket Casts has a Wear OS app, maybe I'll jump into the Pixel Two again. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. I gotta see, but. Um, I don't know. I just don't like wearing watches. I don't really, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so, and, and this might be hard for you to answer and feel free to ignore, but like, have y'all ever like looked into the watch as a platform being an Android device? And like, I mean, does having all these new watch options and having Google put their money behind a watch, does that kind of sway you or move you at all to think about, Hey, maybe we might have a Wear OS opportunity here? Um, I just feel like there should be basic things on the app on the watch mm-hmm. like i'm not i don't like try to type long messages yeah it's just like hey babe do you want fries and ice cream yes <laughs> you know like <laughs> I, I, yes. it's just what it's to be like super simple um so i'm like I'd have to think of a really compelling mm-hmm. wear experience well, th- th- where I'd be like, oh, yeah, this one. This is great. I mean, I I have a nerdy watch face that's like a terminal. Nice. So it looks like code and stuff, which is so Love cool. Yeah. So like I, I like that. It's like something kind of nerdy where I'm like, oh, look at my little watch face. Well, what's interesting, you know? what's interesting, the use case that you said about responses and at least communication with the device, we've made fun of Google Messages for the AI insertion of like text message responses but like that's a practical application where like if the ai can interpret you're getting a text message with a straight question and interpret what your answer might be and it's a single tap to be like i'm running late be right there yes let's do it you know like whatever Mm -hmm. that could be a cool application uh, you know so we'll see how much they push the ai aspect uh, you know like they did at io this past year at the announcement so and actually there's one more thing i remember um when i was actively developing I made a wear, a wear app combination thing so I could know why I was stuck in traffic. Oh, cool. nice. So like measuring like traffic and getting like, well, it was like, reports or like, like you, uh, Yahoo traffic yeah. API. And then I would like click the button and it would like read the one sentence, which was like likely why I was in traffic. Nice. <laughs> or like something like that. I think that is useful. Like that is. Yeah. You're just sitting there like, what the heck? Why am I like in this traffic? And yeah, great. That's a very convenient thing. But it has to be something so like just one tap yep. that for, for watch apps. Yeah, because you've got like, limited real estate, right? So it makes sense. So, yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 challenging enough to come up with a good user experience on a regular phone or a tablet, actually even on tablets with large screens. So it's funny because I feel like Google very often is like, Hey, are y'all doing with anything with Wear OS? And we're just like, 
right. uh, I'm 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 making confused faces for our audio stream <laughs> listeners. But but that's the thing though. It's like we don't we don't need like not bloatware, but you know like kind of uh, non essential or over elaborate experiences. But there's only so many like very simple necessary like watch like wrist on my wrist necessary experiences that yeah. you can have. So for sure. Oh well. All right. Keep asking us, Google. Well, that's not the only tip of the hat possibly for the event, Michelle. What's this next one? So earlier this week, Google released the second Android 14 beta for TVs. And while I was digging through it, I found a image or actually a video within the build that looks like what could be the upcoming remote for the next Chromecast with Google TV. So um, this remote has a longer shape with more buttons on it. But more importantly, on the bottom right, it has a star button which internally seems to be called a magic button that might be remappable. It might let you launch your favorite app or change the the device input. Um, so I included some screenshots of what the UI looks like for mapping a shortcut in Android TV 14. Um, as you can see, you can choose a favorite app or choose to open the device input screen. Can, can, and, uh, we can don't... I interrupt for a moment? What yeah. is going on with that YouTube icon, by the way? So on the screenshot, it says create a shortcut for your favorite app. And there's an app called Cast Moderator that's got the Chromecast, a little magic wand icon. Then it's got the very long word mark of YouTube music with the YouTube record. And then it has what I'm assuming is YouTube, right, Michelle? This is YouTube? I think that's I think that's the third party. Oh, it's a third uh, party? Okay. That I just had, had to... Add. I think I installed that on the emulator. I don't remember <laughs> okay. why. This was, this was a while ago. So it's not ago. actually YouTube. Okay, good. All right, good. All right, no, good. it's not actually okay. YouTube. So carry on then. <laughs> so yeah, this remote um, looks quite similar in design to the current Chromecast with Google TV remote. I included a photo, if you're listening, if you're watching the video, of my Chromecast HD remote. Um, it has the same like oblong shape with that rounded circular button on the top. Um, it has this, the new one actually has four buttons on the left and on the right, it also has one small round button, a longer oblong button, which could be the new volume rocker. Right now, the Chromecast remote has a volume rocker on the I right side. I hate the volume rocker on the right side. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. So that could be the new placement. It could be on the front of the device instead of on the That'd side. That'd be nice. We don't know for sure because none of the buttons are labeled. It's just an outline. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Like there are rumors that Google is working on a new Chromecast. They were published earlier this year by Nine to Five Google, and this outline in the Android TV 14 beta lends further credence to that rumor. So the question is: the the last version of Chromecast had a back button. It obviously had the D pad at the top. It had a back mm-hmm. button, the uh, the assistant button, home button, mute, and then YouTube and Netflix. So mm-hmm. who wants to take money on how many of these round buttons? Are Disney Plus, you know, or, or Max, or like? Oh who, gosh, no, who, we need more buttons. Who's paying for the direct? Who wants the button, the button real estate deal with Google uh, to get their app on there? Right? Do you think they'd ever? I, I mean, do you think they would ever make it customizable? Because there are too many streaming surfaces. Yeah, period. Sure. Like I, I, I feel like the the thing that I loved about this is the simplicity, and which is what is what generally Chromecast is great yep. at. You just plug and play, cast, and that's it. So I feel like adding. A lot of buttons that you, I mean, like adding customization might be a little bit anti the spirit of it, in my opinion, but I don't like, I, yeah. Is it a winning war? Is it like, you know, Chromecast, I, Thunderdome, whoever pays the I'm most? I'm pretty sure Netflix actually requires it. Like yeah. if you bundle Netflix, they Netflix. force you to have the Are button. You That's why every, every TV remote has a Netflix And why button. do you think they have Netflix, that- Amazon Prime. 
Uh, I don't. Those yeah. Two. yeah, I don't think Amazon. I don't think <laughs> Google will play nicely with Amazon. I don't think that will be. Uh, uh. Yeah, that, that'll be interesting. But Netflix, uh. I have heard that too, and like, and, and goes to their subscriber numbers, right? I mean, we, we. I mean, you've seen it. Like Roku has it. Like the, yeah. the the hard coded button drives me bananas because like. I have Netflix. Honestly, I barely use it. It's, it's probably like like maybe my fourth or fifth most used streaming service. Um, so I just never. It's just a wasted button for me. So uh. no, that's really fair. Our Nvidia Shield remote has one too. You yep. or sorry, Netflix button. So yep. I'm good on Netflix. So. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a show without talk some foldables, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So we we got some fun stuff for y'all this week. Um, actually, so we talked about the Techno Phantom Ultimate last that was week, the, that was, which it was, was the patron pick last week. There was a patron pick last week. So last week's patron pick was talking about Techno, which is a smart a Chinese smartphone company that focuses not on markets that we are that we in on this particular uh stream yard right now are on but they do focus on the african market middle east uh southeast asia south asia latin american eastern european markets and the f- concept that we discussed last week was a rollable of course but they they don't just do concepts um if we if you actually wanted to pick up you know a proper passport slash book style foldable they did release one earlier this year the phantom v fold now we talk a lot on this show about foldables but inevitably we also complain about how dang expensive they are and you know the search or the hope for you know cheaper and cheaper foldables to make these kind of devices accessible to more people and i mean unsurprisingly for techno which is a company that is focusing on emerging markets and you know markets that aren't the eu and that aren't the us um their phantom v fold was actually a Roughly $1,100 USD, which is still expensive ass phone, but compared to the $1,800 that we are very used to for the Samsungs and the Pixels and the other foldables that we have available here, um, you know, that's, a, that's, it's starting to kind of show that you can make a foldable for cheaper. And if you go, if you're really interested in this device, which again, if you're in the US, you cannot get, um, <laughs> but if you want to kind of, actually hear about a very decent foldable that is not, you know, almost $2,000. Uh, 9to5 Google has a really good hands-on look on it. Just basically, they like it. Um, there are, uh, I mean, um, there are some issues with software. You know, maybe it's a bit heavier. It's not going to be as light as the Honor Magic V2 that we talked about. But you can have, apparently, a good book-style foldable that isn't quite $2,000. Uh, $1,100. Um and then, yeah, so on top of that, if you wanted a flip phone, Techno is also going to get into that as well. And they basically are set to host a September 22nd event from Singapore where they have already said they're going to start. I, I forgot how they worded it, but they're going to join the flip side. And yeah, they just kind of restated a commitment to exploring new form factors and redefining the style and functionality of flip phones for passionate, fashionable, and forward-looking audiences. Okay, so Techno says flip in style. So if you're interested in the world of uh, foldables and flippables, check out uh, what's coming from Techno. My favorite thing about foldables is all the wordplay everybody is scrambling to do (laughs) with using different uses of the words flips and folds and things like Mm -hmm. that. So I love that that we've never heard of Techno before last week, and now they're like rollable, foldable, flip, like they're on it, which is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and especially the the markets they're targeting as well, you know, like we, it, it's hard to on this show not to just be very kind of like EU uh, US centric and and of course also China centric because China also has an amazing market which 
is just made all the more enticing because we can't get phones from there normally. Uh, but it's nice to see like another company that is targeting like other markets and really trying to like cater to these markets and make more accessible phones. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I was developing for Technos primarily at my last job. Wow! Because remember, I was at yeah. uh, Zola Electric, yeah, and we were doing solar energy in Africa, and so I was responsible for an Android app there. And they were like, look, we're sending you a techno. That's so cool. <laughs> you have to make sure the app works on a techno. Um, so I was like, oh, techno is making foldables? Wow, that's really cool. Like, I, that's, I'm just super impressed, honestly. So, but that's, sorry. No, after you went, went. <laughs> no, I just, I love that about Android, yeah, y'all. Right? Like, that's, it's just, that's the cool thing about Android still is that we, we can serve all markets and that yes. there are places for things. And, you know, again, not to be too US EU focused, but that's really cool. And yes, Anis worked at a really awesome company um, working on yeah. energy in Africa. And that I love that how that came around. So cool. <laughs> the story just like looped back around. Um, okay. So Anissa, I'm curious, what do you what do you think of foldables as a, you know, like, uh, you know, is a pain in the butt to develop for the future of the, of, of the platform? What do you what do you think? I at first I was super skeptical. I'll be honest. I was super skeptical. Then when I had a foldable in my hands, I'm like, hmm, I could see how someone might like this. It's like a tablet, but not. Yeah. Um, and now that my daughter with her Motorola flip that she has, she's just like so happy with it. Like, I don't know something about it. She's like so happy with it, even though she has an iPhone. Yeah. So to me, that means like there's just this, I don't know, there's this shift where where there's something really um, fun, yep. fun about the flip phones. Sure. Like we had flip phones and like we would be embarrassed, you know, when the real phones, came, the smartphones came out and you still had a flip phone and you were kind of like, hi. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and now like flip phones are back. <laughs> yep. just- but, and I love that too, because I think a lot, like, especially like a lot of skepticism about flip phones can be like, oh, well, y'all are just being nostalgic for, you know, the old phones. But your 14 year old daughter, pardon me. It's the future. Are, <laughs> like, you know, had, did, she, she, she never saw a, probably a motor, like the OG nope. Motorola razor or anything like that, or had like, you know, the clunky, you know, little pod in your pocket, mm-hmm. but she likes it. Fold- so just making it come foldable, back. Like old it. Is new. Foldables drive joy. There it is right there. And teenagers love mm-hmm. foldables. So, um, okay. well, speaking of that, we well, couldn't, we could not, right, Lynn? <laughs> we could not. So, 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 uh, we, so talking about concepts, we talked about the Honor V purse last week, which was a foldable phone, which, which had two, you know, hooks on where you could actually attach a chain so that you could basically wear this foldable phone like a purse and what was even more they even had i know i you uh, uh, video stream you video stream uh watchers were very like uh, delighted by the face that anise made as i'm redescribing <laughs> this concept phone right now so and and you could change the wallpaper to have it have a like, different texture so it looked like you know you were holding a handbag with like maybe a quilted texture or maybe this or maybe like charm bracelets so we, we were we were like having a good time discussing this pie in the sky concept phone well guess what y'all it is not a concept phone it is a production phone. It's happening. And it will, it's happening. Wow. This, this, this Honor V purse, which again, you can put a chain on and wear like a purse across your shoulder and make sure, you know, you hold on to it tight in case anybody runs by trying to steal your expensive foldable phone will be debuting on September 19th. So the question and is, when are you going to get one? I don't know how. It's an honor phone, but we'll try. We should call Mateo. Like, Mateo will know. We got to find, we got to get him oh on the show gosh, too. Oh my gosh, Mateo, yeah, buddy, that. please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
I don't know. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, so we, we spent a lot of time making, making fun of it a little bit and maybe, I don't know, we could pull up the renders for Anise, but Anise reaction. No, no, <laughs> Sorry. no, it is not a purse. It is a phone no. with a chain. No, we said it. No, we said that last week. You cannot put anything in this. It is it's not. Yeah, it doesn't actually hold anything. I mean, although, like I said, like it doesn't hold. Your, I, I think on the show last week I said it doesn't hold your your uh, your ID, but you've Google Wallet. You've got a lot of your credit cards. You have you, other IDs. Like it comes close to it. So, um, is it waterproof? Uh, no. <laughs> what, what if you put hold? it under your underarm and uh, you're like running? Uh, is it right? gonna break your uh, phone? <laughs> Or just like, I mean, I bump my purse into walls and like, you know, subway chairs or my car door. Yeah. The, I, I don't know. But at the same time, I don't know, what, like in terms of like expression and fashion, which is why I think we kind of try to take it last week. Could you see maybe, you know, a younger person like your daughter seeing some interest in this or is it just too impractical yeah. now? I think it's so impractical. Yeah. And like even just how would you even hold it? To try to show it off, it's just super weird. <laughs> it's just so, it's. I might as well just like put on a plastic bag and be like, "Oh, look at my fashion," you know? Like it's just so weird. <laughs> what I what I find really weird is how they marketed this thing at IFA. They called it a concept phone. You don't go from a concept phone to launching this. And retail just two weeks I, later. I honestly, they clearly had planned this from the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Michelle. I feel like they were testing the waters and they plan. They they were hoping it would have a positive reaction. I don't know what would happen if it didn't yeah. have a positive reaction or didn't have any reaction. And then they're like, "Well, if we don't release it. What are they going to do with that?" But like, I agree with you. I think they had it. This was this was planned. So. I mean, is it like no attention is bad attention? No news is yeah. wait, no. Uh, sorry, what what's the phrase? There's no such thing as bad publicity. Yep. So hey, people are talking about it. I don't, I don't know. I can, I, I kind of wonder. Do they have any kind of like partners with any kind of like local or international like fashion? You know what I mean? Like because that's yep. that's I don't know. Anyway, we'll be able to look at one at least in photos for reels or if Mateo, you can look we're gonna work on getting you getting well let's see if we can get you one so <laughs> i i if, if you can get me one i'll wear it around for a week oh, that that's about as long it'll probably last <laughs> yeah. before i bump oh, into God. something just when but... you break the screen oh anyway don't get me sorry all right uh, yeah. um all right cool we're we're running long so we want to we do have a bunch of stories and apps that we wanted to get to yeah. um which everyone who uh, listens or watches the show or knows us knows that messaging is a hot button topic um and me personally as a whatsapp user took a lot of notice as whatsapp have you noticed whatsapp's been in the news a lot recently a whole time right? like like they've like yeah. they've been rolling out features or talk about the rolling out features and things like that but this one is the biggie and tying back to our political uh, topic at the top of the show um uh, so basically the EU has identified WhatsApp as a gatekeeper in messaging and is giving it a few months to allow uh, interop- interoperability with other messaging apps. Um, basically, the EU's digital markets app uh, is pushing for fair competition and give consumers options. Um, and uh, this is, you know, seems to be okay because WhatsApp's already been working on interoperability with other apps. Um, but 
it is fascinating to see the concept of gatekeeper designation, you know, and, and, and this whole, you know, and, and we're looking on our video, uh, video viewer as a slide from a presentation from the European Commit, uh, Commission, which summarizes the 22 gatekeeper services by the EU. And they give you a sense of, you know, in the ads market, it's Google, Amazon, and Meta are the gatekeepers of ads. In browsers, it's Chrome and Safari. Um, I feel bad for anybody working on another browser other than Chrome and Safari to be like, well, what's the point then? Um, you know, but like search, you know, we were talking earlier at the top of the show, as far as the EU is concerned, there's only one player in search and it's Google, right? Um, when it comes to messaging, uh, they identify WhatsApp and Messenger, which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. that they don't flag um, uh, iMessage. iMessage. Yeah, iMessage. Yeah, which is, I think is very... They actually, uh, Apple actually said... We don't have enough active users in Europe to, to qualify. There it is. Yeah. So they, they clearly want to e- easel, weasel their way out yeah. of the you know label. The, the they're happy to give their user their user numbers for EU for that, right? <laughs> so um, so either way, either way, it, it, um, it looks like interoperability with WhatsApp is coming um, on top of like other functionality stuff like that. It looks like WhatsApp is going to be very very different in the upcoming months, or you know at least uh, more open uh, to the world. So which is probably a good thing. Um, but, uh, the messaging doesn't stop there, uh, because Google's going to get in the game too. Um, not so much about interoperability, but multi-device support. One of the things that I like about WhatsApp is that I'm able to log into it via different devices, whereas Google messages, um, is tied to your phone. Although fun fact and someone wrote into our email, I didn't share with it, but I feel, I feel like we should, I should dig up to see who, who wrote in about that. Um, it might've been Chuck. Um, yeah, I think it was Chuck Ackerman who wrote in about it. Um, you can access Google Messages via the browser if you if you mm-hmm. go to which I use. I I can't live without. Um, I do it all the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's and I I have it in shifts. So I don't even know what the URL is. I got to look at what. It, but isn't it like web messages or or, or it's yeah? Messi- is it just messages.google.com? Mm-hmm. Oh, my bad. Messages. I'm sorry. This is the worst the worst podcasting thing ever. Is watching people Google things. Um, it's messages <laughs> or listening. Messages.com. Messages.com slash web. So that's where you can scan a QR code and then pair your browser to your phone. But now they're preparing multi-device support that will allow you to have another phone or a tablet and be able to access your messages, um, which is fantastic. So there's actually an update. It's not, uh, it's, it's more restricted than you thought. Of course. Originally. So what it's actually, what it's actually likely going to be for is that right now, if you have a pixel tablet, for example, and you try to link your tablet to your phone through messages, Basically, you load the progressive web app version of messages on your tablet and you scan the QR code to link your phone and your tablet um, to together. Yeah. But this likely will skip that process of scanning the QR code and just automatically uh, pair the two devices together using the same Google account. So it's likely just improving that flow. Which is fine. Allowing you to have yeah, two right. different phones yeah, together. I mean, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's better than before, but... It's, it's not true WhatsApp like fair. It, it, like if I have my my um, Lenovo tablet, it's not going to work as as great as on my Pixel tablet, right? Is that the case? Is it is it lock into the Pixel platform or is it? I think right now it's just right now like it's kind of awkward yeah. to actually move between devices because you got to scan the QR right, code yeah. and like use the web interface yeah, to yeah. actually yeah. sync okay. those messages. So. All right. Well, either way, lots of movement and messaging. So, um, and in order to use messages, what's the handy app you use to type into messages? It's Gboard. It's Gboard. And guess what we are here to talk about today is uh, get your drink cards ready, AI, and AI in your Gboard. So, 
Google already has this tool called Proofread, which is, of course, one of its many AI tools. And they probably showed it off a bit at I.O. this year. But it's it's more or less Grammarly for workspaces or rather, just to be specific, it's a spelling and grammar and also writing style, you know, concision, uh, active voice, all that kind of stuff. So Proofread actually will now be available through Gboard, of course, not quite as like expansive and again, like Grammarly-like with a full interface as in workspaces. But what happens is... In if you have Gboard beta version 13.4, you'll get, you know, the, the proofread that is available there, which again does spelling and grammar errors and also provides pr- uh, proposed corrections as well as ways to c- quickly ap- apply them. So what happens is, and I just did this today, um, is if you have the beta version of Gboard um, in the toolbar, which is available above the keyboard, you will see the proofread proof, uh, proofread logo, or you might have to go into settings and change it, um, which is at a capital A with a, a check mark on the bottom right. Uh, and basically you do have to activate proofread and there's like a long disclosure message where you can say no thanks or go ahead AI me. Um, and when you do, what happens is is that as you're typing, um, you can manually invoke uh, proofread via the button. Um, but once it's activated, uh, sometimes proofread will actually proactively read text uh, once you're done typing and then make suggestions, uh, which you can apply using Fixit. Um, and yeah, there you go. Just AI. And it does do not more than just spelling and grammar. It does kind of make like, you know, voicing and wording suggestions. Now, there's a big, huge caveat to this and that the way that proofread works is server side. So it takes your text, sends it off to a Google service, runs a little AI on it and comes back. So obviously if you are a person who wants to keep your data, your text and your messages out of Google's hands, this is not that great of an experience. Also question it's questionable about, you know, like offline support and stuff like that. So cool AI, but then you're sending your text to Google. So your mileage might vary greatly on that. But if you're interested, I, I once again, fall there. back on my defense of that. Nothing I'm saying is of any interest. So, you know, so, <laughs> but I, Oh, I activated it. Yeah, so I already, but, I already sank in. I activated it then. Read but the I understand people might, people not, might not want to do that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. And again, yeah. like, yeah. Anise, would you, would you, would you use this or? No, I wouldn't because like when I, if I'm texting someone, I keep it short. And if I spell things wrong, I don't care. And then I don't I don't want to have a long exchange back and forth. I'm just like, K, thanks, bye. <laughs> the, Thumbs the, up, moving the, on. I should know you're gonna say K T H X B Y E. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so. yeah. All right. Um, um, cool. I do similar. I I don't use autocorrect. I'll just keep trying to type a thing until I get it right. So if I misspell like done to my husband when he asked me if I took like the trash out. Mm. If I misspell it, I'll just keep typing until I get it right. And sometimes there's like five or six or seven misspellings <laughs> because I can't type on top. Um, but yes, I probably will turn this off just because yep. it's... Eh. But anyway. Right. And then our last story, I feel like we need a new drinking game, right, Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> yep, stories. And the stories have been infected another oh, product. This time, the Google Play Store. So um, if you haven't, if you aren't familiar, Google runs this YouTube series called uh, The Play Report, which basically features various um, content creators and influencers and, you know, some other Google employees and stuff like that who basically talk about the hottest apps and games on the Google Play Store. And now they're bringing that in beta to some users front and center in the Google Play Store. So while you're browsing the Play Store, you'll see this. Uh, these stories. I mean, I, I think you know what stories yeah, the ver- are. They're basically every app nowadays. Vertical, They're everywhere. Highly visual. The vertical, short, yeah. Yeah, short form yeah. video content. Yeah. Vertical, short form videos. 
And I don't know why. They just keep going in every single lap, and there's nothing stopping it. It's 2023. <laughs> you, you'd think this trend is already would have already died down, but no. Nope. Unless you've got unless you've, there in every unless you've app. got vertical video in your app, you're not truly an app. Does, you're nobody. Yeah. This drives me so crazy because, like, the... When you have stories on a, on a social media app, usually you'll have it because you you have a social media following network. You specifically assigned up for certain creators, so yeah, you want to see their content. I'm sorry, I, I'm getting older, not old, getting older. So I don't know who at least half of these folks are. So it doesn't really uh, you know affect me in like okay, right here's some, here's some marketing that I I don't see, I don't understand it is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, this is like the one case where I'm on the other side where I watched the video and I was like, Jackie, oh my God, they got Jackie to do a video for them. (laughs) And then I'm like, what is this app she's talking about? Wow, I never heard of this app. And I'm actually like, go to the Play Store and look at the app. I'm like, I've been influenced. I've officially been influenced (laughs) influenced. from (laughs) minor seconds (laughs) of watching this. But I think it's a clever way Mm-hmm. To expose the, these people's followers to new apps they would they would have never thought of, and I I personally feel like there's hundreds of apps on the Play Store that I potentially would like, but I have I have no way of knowing about them. Yeah, that, that is fair. It's 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 we're kind of inundated. It's 2023. There's way too many apps. That's very there, very. There are fair. way too many apps, but also I do feel as if and I feel like Google is is and Google can be guilty of this. Is there's far too much of a reliance on influencers and content creators in that mm-hmm. way. I think it's great. I think I definitely s- support people doing it, and content creators are fantastic. But like. Is such a lean to on it. I think they overestimate the amount of the audience that actually know, you know, needs in your situation who recognize the person and like want to listen to it. And I think to the majority of users, this is just noise. So, um, but who knows? You know, good for them. Hooray. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our stories. We do have a couple of emails. Anise, do you still have a couple of minutes? Can you hang with us or? Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so uh, we only got two emails. So, uh, Wayne, why don't you take it away for the first one? Yeah. So our first email is from Brandon. Um, So Brandon says, I'm a new-ish listener. I had listened to your episode where you guys discussed the app Beeper. This app was made for people like me who use probably 10 different communication apps in the emails throughout the day. I dropped everything to download it immediately. I am on the waiting list and very high up on it. I was wondering if there were any developments on, or was if there was any developments on a full public rollout, how many people they're accepting at a time or any information at all, really. You're doing God's work, Brandon. Um, well, first well, off, we're doing we're, so we're doing God's work apparently, which is awesome. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Brandon. Never never been told that before, but that's amazing. Um, yeah, so Beeper actually is pretty good about releasing, you know, kind of state of the app reports. Um, they had their state of the app for spring 2023. They talk about you know like the the wait list and you know like kind of like some features that they're working on um and their roadmap of course they did have a um hot beeper summer <laughs> um yeah which you know is there i wouldn't put midsomar as like the header <laughs> image for that because that has different implications but yeah no um I, I give a lot of credit to beeper for you know at least periodically putting out reports um but so if you're curious go to blog.beeper.com and see what they have you know periodically what updates they have um the hot beeper summer did say that we are on track to hit quote waitlist zero in a matter of weeks um and that they say they will open doors soon so by the way just this morning 
nine to five Google, uh, Google posted. Um, I think, I think Brandon, you invoked this by your email and having it kind of, uh, this week for us, but basically nine to five Google is giving away invites for beeper. So if you just cannot wait, you, you are not on high on the wait list like Brendan and you just want to get you some beeper right now. Um, you can sign up for nine to five, uh, nine to five Google's newsletter. And you might be able to get some beeper invites that way. Um, they have about 500 invites to give away. Um, and they will be first, co- uh, first come, first serve. But hey. Um, you can get in on that. Yeah. So happy Tuesday. Happy Android Faithful Day. I, I, get you a beeper I, invite. I will say also, um, if you remember, Brendan Bigley was on the show. He was on talking about beeper. He jumped the wait list by just going on Twitter and saying, hey, beeper, I want to get get on it. And they're like, sure, we'll set you up. Like they responded to him. So if you didn't get a nine to five Google and you don't go very soon because they're close to getting to wait list zero, try hitting them up on Twitter and see if they'll respond and see if they'll just get you on. Um, that would be cool. They, they seem pretty cool folks. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, so we'll see. Have any of y'all tried it out yet? I haven't. And purely i got i was on the wait list and i got invited so i actually have an invite i'm sitting on but like yeah the time to do it is like i you know (laughs) like that that that's what's what's been the barrier entry for me um yeah i I feel overwhelmed by the work that would be involved in it so i i I don't know how like involved how much work you have to do set it up i just yeah i haven't had time to actually sit down and do it so um, actually, uh, Brendan Bigley did put like a code for some of us to, you know, get beeper invites and I might've Sna- host privileged used snagged one, it? um, snagged <laughs> it. So I, it is downloaded on this little computer, like the, literally the computer that I'm, I'm, I'm using. So I just haven't set it up, but I'm fun employed now. So who knows? Maybe that might get set up after <laughs> this week. You have more time on your hands. So, so there you go. <laughs> Do it. It's true. It's true. I'm going to, and I'll report back. All right. So, but thank so you. So we got one last email. Um, and this comes from Matt Bat who writes in and says, I would like to have two ringtones, one for callers in my contacts and one for callers not in my contacts. After searching for a while on the web, I couldn't find a good answer. One way to make all of your current contacts as a group and give that group a ringtone, but as soon as you add a contact, it's broken. Am I missing something simple? Is there some easy way to do this? I just want to hear who are you by the who when someone calls me about extending my car's warranty. Love the new show. Signed, Matt Bat. And Matt, I feel like this is a question we've gotten over the years on All About Android, and now you're the first person to ask it here on Android Faithful. Uh, the short answer is there is no way to do what you want to do in Android. Um, you did identify and you did find um, the, the, the hack. There's actually two hacks of what you could do. One is um, you could uh, you, you absolutely can identify a ringtone for known contacts. And you do that simply by going into your contacts app, find the contact, open the info menu, hit the three-dot menu, and then tap set ringtone. And then you could pick a, a custom tone from the sounds or upload whatever sound you want. So when Michelle calls me, I can have it play one song versus Wynn playing another song or whatnot. You also can group all of your contacts and have that ringtone be for those groups. But you've identified the problem that as soon as you add a new contact, it all breaks, you need to do it. Um, the So you've got two options. You can give a ringtone to every contact in your phone, and then therefore your default ringtone is the unknown callers. I have over 500 contacts in my phone. I, I Going back to Beeper, I wouldn't have the time to do that. Um, but I did dig back into our archives, and sure enough, there is a ancient app called Group Ringtone Light, um, which I think was... Oh, yeah, my goodness. You're not kidding when you say it's yeah, ancient. Last updated on 2015, um, but it does work. It still works, um, and it's still out there. Uh, people were reviewing it as soon as 2019 and 2022, right? So it's still out there. Um, and basically, uh, the big thing about this is that it allows you to set a ringtone for an unknown caller. 
So there is one one caveat to that, yeah. Ron. Uh, unfortunately, because of Google Play's recent changes, you if you haven't installed this app already, you won't be able to install it anymore from Google Play. Yeah. There is the problem. So you're gonna have to sideload the yeah. app. Most likely. Um, they also have a paid version of the app uh, called Group Ringtone, which I don't know if that has been updated sooner. Yeah, 2015 also. Yeah, so the same problem <laughs> no. there. So, um, wah wah. Well, there you go. So, that's amazing. This is like pre hollow, y'all. This is like, oh, yeah, these screenshots one are just of like, like Google are, Design. These, just look at it. It's yeah. a, I miss it so much. Look how tiny that screen yeah, is. Look too. at the, yeah, I know. Look at the, the beveling and the, the shading. Oh, right? yeah. oh my. So, the gradients, um, but clearly, functionally, it is. It is, Michelle. It's something that um, it's something <laughs> that it can be done. And maybe if there's a promising app developer out there who want to take up the challenge, uh, people need that. So, yeah. All right, and that brings us to the end of the show. Anise, thank you so much for hanging out with us. You are the best. It's awesome. Um, I made it. Yeah, so, if people <laughs> want to find you after discovering you on the show, where can they find you online? What what uh, what would you like to plug? Let us know. So. Uh yeah, find me Brown Girl Dev. You can find me online, uh, Twitter slash X, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm there. Oh, uh, so you. yeah, there you go. Go ahead and connect. You want to spell that out for for our readers who are listening yes, to the podcast because yes. it's not spelled true. Yeah. You are right, and if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you can. <laughs> it's B R W N. G-R-L-D-E-V. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. You're awesome. And we hope you'll come back because uh, you're fantastic. So Absolutely. Yeah. We love it. Awesome. All right, cool. So, Michelle, you've got a new cover image on your Patreon, I see. Yep. Finally, the time to spruce up the Patreon page. <laughs> so uh, if you want to you know, learn about what's new and coming in Android, I have a lot of things planned. You can subscribe to me on Patreon. It's just a minimum $3 a month. And, uh, yeah, if you want to share your support and also join my Discord and, you know, get priority responses to questions and et cetera, you can go subscribe to me there. And, of course, also subscribe to Android Faithful to show support for this show. Ah, thank you, Michelle. Excellent. All right, Wayne, uh, let us know what's going on in your world. Yeah, well, actually, um, next week, or not next week, in two days, I'm giving a talk at DroidCon New York City, because that's what I do, and I'm an Android dev. I go to conferences occasionally uh, and talk and get to meet and be friends with wonderful people like Anise, at least, you know, well, we, we were. Now we're getting back to it a little bit. So I will be in New York this week uh, talking about Android stuff. And for any of my past talks, code and video, you can go to my website, randomlytyping.com. And if you're on a social media thing, uh, type in Queed Code Monkey and see if I'm there. That's a, and hopefully that's, I am. If not, let me know. I need to, I need to like hoard all the names, good, uh, all the queen code monkeys. It's so. a good test to make. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, excellent. And I am at Ron XO on the various socials. You can find me there. I'm probably most active on Instagram where I'm posting pictures of bands and food and movies and things like that. Um, but as Michelle mentioned, uh, you can help support us over at patreon.com slash Android faithful. We want to thank everybody who has done that. Um, you guys are awesome. We've got multiple levels that you can sign up for $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month, or our elusive $500 a month where you get to come on the show and be a co-host, um, as the patron of the month. I dare somebody to do it. Um, <laughs> but either way, it'll be fun. Um, and by signing up for the Patreon, you can, uh, get access to the Discord, to the DTNS Discord. We love our DTNS fan, Daily Tech News Show. They're awesome. You could, we're also live streaming on Daily Tech News Show's YouTube channel and Good Day Internet on Twitch. Um, you get access to an ad free podcast. You get some, you get a t shirt, stickers, all the cool stuff. It's all happening on Patreon. And we thank everybody for their support there so far. And of course, you can go to AndroidFaithful.com and that is where we have all the wonderful links to, 
subscribe to the show, whether you want to listen on Pocket Cast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. We're on YouTube, YouTube Music. We're all there. Um, and it is always great uh, to have people listen. And also want to remind everybody to write into the show. If you have an email, please email. If you have email, everyone has email. Email us at contact at Android Faithful. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Ask us your questions. Let us figure out your problems. Tell us your stories. Tell us about crazy hardware you've seen in the field. Uh, we want to hear from you because you all are awesome. We love you so, so much. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's Android Faithful. Um, this podcast records every Tuesday evening and we release it uh, for you to listen on podcasts or watch on YouTube or whatnot. And we'll see you next time on Android Faithful. Thanks for listening slash watching. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.